Well, I just want to say welcome again one more time uh, to part two of our series, What's the Point of Church? It's a series that we're taking a look and uh, reevaluating a lot of parts uh, of life, a lot of parts even of the church life as well. I think the church has changed and transformed more in the last two years than in the last 20 years before that. And a lot of us are doing this reevaluation. Uh, maybe it's reevaluating your work and life balance and the jobs that we have. Uh, and we want to do the same with the church as well. And to, and to step into an ongoing conversation asking the question, what is the point of church? And so throughout this series, it's four parts. What we're going to do is take a look at each of these four major building blocks of the church. Uh, worship and uh, serving, grouping and giving. And it's my hope and it's my aim that by the end of this time together that, that we will make these joint commitment to worship faithfully and to serve wholeheartedly, to group intentionally with other believers and to give sacrificially and generously. Uh, last week, you know, we, we wanted to give the, the picture about what church is and could be like at our very, very best. And, and we said, listen, when we show up together, when, when we recognize that each one of us is fighting a battle and we cannot win alone, uh, the, the church at its best helps each other, encourages each other, uh, spurs one another on towards good deeds, towards serving Jesus. Uh, and we had the picture of what the church could be like at its best of two guys around a campfire, and the one guy pulls a a white hot ember out of the campfire and just sets it on the cinder block alongside. As the white hot ember goes from white to red to orange to gray to black, we said at our best as a, as a church, we are, we are that set of coals keeping one another warm. We are that set of coals um, pointing our way towards Jesus in a community together, pointing to the one who fights on our behalf. We worship faithfully. We cannot fight this battle alone. Uh, today we're talking about serving, as you heard uh, Renee's uh, story. <clears throat> uh, somebody joined, uh, joined this community uh, just a little while ago and, and, and jumped in, and you heard how passionate she is about the serving role that she has here. It's super cool to, cool to see. Um, you, you received one of these cards when you came in here today, and at any point during the message, um, if you just uh, would like to fill that one out, name, email, cell, and then uh, contact me about joining one of our three main Sunday morning, um, ex- Sunday morning teams around here. We'd, we'd love to do that. We're going to have a little bucket in the back for you to drop those in uh, before you go, but I'm not offended if you fill those out while I'm talking. As we get into this, uh, a story and then a question. Uh, and this story kind of goes like this. Every once in a while, uh, I have the opportunity of being invited over to somebody's house for dinner. And they usually regret it, to be honest, but <laughs> every once in a while, you know. And, uh, and it's weird for the, for the kids because they're like, what's the pastor doing, like on a Wednesday, being alive? You know, like he's got his place on the weekends. <laughs> and at my house, too, nonetheless, you've got to be kidding me. But every once in a while, somebody has me over for dinner. And one of my favorite parts of that experience is like the level uh, of praise that gets heaped on me as a guest for doing literally the smallest thing in the world. Like after the meal is done, as a guest, you know, I like pick up my plate and I like carry it over to the sink. And it's like, oh no, you shouldn't have. Thank you so much. And I'm like, well, this, this feels pretty good, you know. I'm going to go back for more. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grab a, a serving dish and bring that over. Oh, pastor, thank you so much. Please, please, you know, sit down. Let me make some, some coffee and like bring it over to you. You've done so, you know, far too much already. I'm like, this is great. Let me, let's up the ante, you know, one more time here. Guys, not all heroes wear capes. So, 
Some of them are dinner guests that put away the mustard in the refrigerator after the meal is done, right? Just the level of, of the gratitude and praise that's heaped on me as a, as a guest over at somebody's house. Now contrast that with what dinner is like at my house, right? It, it just, it hits a little differently, you know? After the meal is done and the kids like, they'll try to like run off and like do their, do their thing. And I'm like, oh no, you don't. You know, back here, grab your plate, march it right over. Not just in the sink. That's not good enough. You try to get out of this. Now you got to put it in the dishwasher, you know? This is the expectation, right? Like get over there. And like, oh, and I'm like, okay, just because you tried to get away. Now you have to put the mustard back in the refrigerator. It's, a, it's different, isn't it? It's, it's different being a guest versus being a member of the family. It hits different. As we kind of recognize that we're a bunch of different people and we're gathered here across a variety of locations and online as well, but this is an opportunity for us, a little bit like you and Jesus, to do kind of this like gut-checked sort of moment and to ask yourself, and maybe in your quiet moments, to ask Jesus, like, am I a guest or am I a member of the family? You know, and I want to make room. I want to make space for us here. And if you go, listen, I'm checking it out, and I'm a guest. And I'm so glad that you're here as our guest, especially if you're like a literal guest, and it's like your first time, maybe first few times like around here. And like, that's, that's awesome. Truly, truly, truly. I'm so glad that you've decided to join us. And it is our honor, it is our privilege to be able to be the ones to like put the mustard away in the, in the refrigerator after the meal. Like, that's an awesome thing. And we love doing that. But I also, I also don't want you to miss the opportunity because it's fun being a guest for a little while. But to be a member of the family and to be in on those family conversations, those family discussions, to be able to celebrate the family celebrations. I mean, guys, there's nothing else quite like it. So this morning, I'm going to read a Bible passage that God gives us from the letter of 1 Corinthians. And before we do that, though, I want us to kind of hear this. And as I sort of build the the case from the story that we're about to share of of why I think God would love for you to invite you to move from being a a guest on over here to being a, a member of the family. We're going to go to the Bible passage uh, here, and it's 1 Corinthians uh, 12, and we're going to start off in verse 12, where we, we read this. Just as, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all of its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. And I love this, we, we read that many, many parts of one body, we, we recognizing that the parts of a body that this is, this is what belonging to the family does. That this is what uh, serving wholeheartedly does. Serving uh, connects us to something far greater than ourselves. Serving connects you to something far bigger than yourself. We read it as parts of one body. You might remember, you might have like a different translation of the Bible, and, and that was rendered a little bit differently. There's many members um, of the body and that change has sort of like, it's gone through some transformation. Even here at Encounter, it's gone through some transformation as we don't talk about like membership all that often. It's super biblical. Like Paul talks about membership um, here, membership of the body of Christ. And it's this really sacred, this really hallowed thing. But when he talks about membership, he's talking about like a member, like a literal, like, like your arm is a member. And like how critical your arm is or your foot or your leg. And he gives like all these pictures about being members of a body. 
But we've kind of moved away from that a little bit. And we think about like being members of a body or being a membership in an organization. And we don't think like an arm as a member of an organization. When you think like membership in, in a church, we think of like Costco, you know, where like you show up and you got your little member membership card that they, they took on, uh, on like a half megapixel camera in the in the line, and it's like a picture of somebody. It might be you, it might be somebody else. It doesn't really matter. You just kind of flash it, and you just kind of walk, walk on by. And we think about Costco. We th- You're going to get going on Costco here. And this opportunity that we have to wait in line for an hour and a half for a 20-cent discount on gas. It's amazing. We love Costco. If you'd like to hear my actual thoughts on Costco afterwards, I'm very much open to that. But it's, it's a great place. It's probably the only place where you can buy an inflatable kayak and a five-gallon drum of hummus in the same, same shopping experience. You know, it's wonderful. But the thing about, like, the Costco membership, that it, like, the, 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 the trail that it leads us down is to, is to start to think that the church operates a lot like Costco because... Well, you know, we're, we're members of Costco, we're members of the church, and, and, I, and I guess I like paid my dues, and so now I'm, now I'm entitled to certain rights and privileges. Paul did not have that in mind when he's talking about how we're members of one body. He doesn't have that in mind at all. He has like literal body parts in mind. And I want to like build the case that when we serve wholeheartedly, we join onto something so much, so much bigger, so much grander than ourselves and at our best, like what this thing could look like. It's a, it's a whole body that reacts and responds in unison all together. The, the whole body, no matter what little part is affected, the whole body responds. You know, the little part, like the, like the, little, the littlest part, like the, the little toe on your foot, not the, not the big toe, not the one that meant to, went to market, you know, not that toe, the little, the wee, wee, wee all the way home, that little toe. Right? You imagine this, you're, you're walking through, it's, it's late night, you're not trying to wake up the kids, you're trying to avoid Legos as you're like shutting off the lights on, on the way to bed, you know? And you're doing it, and you're doing it quickly because you're very tired and you, you want to you get to bed. And, you, and you're going through, you're avoiding stuff, and all of a sudden, whack! It just pain just shoots through your body because that little wee, wee toe all the way home, that little toe... That just, that just clipped the leg of a coffee table, right? And, and what, is it, what happens, you know? That toe is connected to something far greater than itself. You never, you never even realize what the function of a little toe is. I still don't recognize what the function of the little toe is. But man, my whole body is invested into this thing now. Man, my, my knee pulls my leg up. My hands grip around my little toe, which may or may not be bleeding at this point. My back arches over. My mouth says something that's definitely going to wake up the kids. A whole body responds. And I love this. I came across this. The, the whole body responds seamlessly, organically, and with no individual decision being made apart from the rest of the body. That is so profound. That is so cool, isn't it? Like, just to, just to think about when one little part, when one wee-wee part of the body starts hurting, incredibly hurting, the whole rest of the body responds seamlessly, organically, and without regard to an individual decision, but wrapping onto that part of the body, the member of the body. Man, as, as, as you're thinking about, like, where are you, you know, at church? Am I a guest showing up? And if you're a guest, Awesome. You know, but, but if, if you're part of the family, it's something else entirely. Because if you're part of the family, you get to see the seamless organic response 
that, that happens and, and takes place without regard to an individual desire or decision to be made. I'm in a privileged position around here, and I recognize that because I get to see this all the time. I get to see the body respond. When one diagnosis comes in or when one setback takes place, I get to see the whole body respond seamlessly, organically, and without regard to individual desire, a decision to be made. It's so powerful. It's so powerful to see somebody show up and like, you're, you're hurting, and I recognize that. So there's going to be a couple of bags of groceries on your porch when you get home. You can speak into this if you've got some favorites, but I'm just telling you, it's going to happen. Another one, uh, listen, your grass is going, to be, is going to be mowed. Like this Friday, we've got a crew that's sent over, they're cleaning. I've seen people send others, hire a team to clean a house just because I think that you would appreciate it. So I just need a time when the cleaners can come in and like take care of your house. It's so beautiful to see when one member, when one part of the body is killed over and hurting somebody else going, this is not a question, this is a statement. I'm going to take care of your mortgage for the next couple of months so that you have one last thing to worry about so you can be more present to your family. The church responding to a hurt hurting member of the body seamlessly, organically, and without regard to an individual desire or decision to be made. Man, you don't get that as a guest. And it is so beautiful, so beautiful to see the church at its best respond to a member in need. When we serve each other with the grocery thing, with the food thing, with the mortgage thing, when we serve each other in the church setting, serving connects us to something far bigger than ourselves. Serving is also the antidote to a self-absorbed life. Listen, continuing on in the passage from chapter 12, verse 15. Now, if the foot should say, and he picks the foot because it was like the most detestable image that they've got available to them. Uh, Jesus cleaned the disciples' feet, you know, and that was such a, such a powerful act because of like, you know, the stuff that they walked in, you know, the animal excrement and the, we won't, we won't develop that one anymore, but the foot, he picks the foot intentional. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, Paul, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand and it's like, oh, foot, you are far from being a hand. Okay. Hands are useful feet. Oh, I do not belong to the body. He goes, no, no, it would not for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. He goes, if the whole body were an eye, and I'm thinking like Monsters, Inc., you know, Mike, Mike Wachowski, Wazinski, one of the, one of the, now everybody's thinking about it. Google that one later. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Now that's critically important because we recognize something. We recognize that everyone has something. No one has everything. And we exist to serve the designer of the body. So I got to pause and kind of fill that one out there. It's the designer who organized all of these parts. Whichever part that we might identify in that body, our job isn't to exalt and to glorify the rest of the body. The job of each one of the parts is to glorify and exalt the designer of the body. I want to share a story that I heard a woman at a, at a conference one time uh, talk about. Her name was uh, Indra, Indra Noy, and, and she's saying, the place that I grew up in was not exactly affirming of the gifts of women and uh, 
uh, and, and girls my age and so my family and that culture decided, you know, we're going to you know, we're going to do something about that. And so what they did is every day after dinner, their parents would ask her and her sister, just two girls in the family, um, to prepare a little, a little pitch, uh, a speech. And, and they'd take turns like picking different countries and then, and then giving a speech on why they deserve to be the president or prime minister or like whatever, a world leader, you know, uh, representing that country. And they'd take a minute and prepare their little pitch deck, you know, their, their speech. And then they would, they would give their pitch after dinner. And it's like, in my house, we're just trying to get the kids to put mustard away. But, like, this is a different family, you know. Uh, good, good, good for them. And, uh, and then after dinner, uh, after dinner, mom and dad would, like, pick the winner. And they would get to be, like, president for a day, you know, prime minister for a, for a day and, until, until bedtime. And then they'd start the whole thing over the next day. It isn't surprising to find out that her and her sister went on to become very successful adults, very driven individuals. Uh, Indra shares the story, and she goes, you know, I remember the day. I remember the day that I was moving up through the corporate ranks at, uh, at Pepsi, PepsiCo, uh, Fortune 500 company, just a behemoth of an organization, that she was voted unanimously by the board as the president of PepsiCo. I mean, it's just, that's a huge deal, huge deal. And she goes, I was so proud. And I was even more proud because my mom was visiting that evening. And I got to go home and tell my mom the news that I have been elected the next president of Pepsi Company. Can you, can you believe it? And she's like beaming, right? Pulling into the driveway. I can't wait to share this awesome news, this incredible thing that took place. She bursts through the door. Mom, I have the most incredible news to share with you. And her mom goes, we're out of milk. Can you go get more? She's like, out of milk? I've, I've got some news to share. Can you even believe this? And go, Indra, your news can wait. We need the milk. Can you go? And she's like, ask my husband. Did you ask Raj? Can, you, can he go get milk? And she's going, I'm not Raj's mom. I'm not going to ask him. I'm your mom. Please go get the milk. Going to get the milk. She you know, gets in her car, drives to the store, come back fuming, angry. I can't believe this. You're president of Pepsi, and I'm off like running, getting milk. And she comes back, she slams the milk on the counter. There's your milk. Now my news. I'm president of Pepsi, and you ruin the moment. And her mom looked at her and go, you know what, Indra? You know, so proud, right? So proud. But, you know, in this house, you're not the president of anything, in this house, you're a mom and you're a wife. In this house right now, you're my daughter. I think you should park your crown in the garage. And that's the line that stayed with me. I think you should park your crown in the garage. It, it, it's a line that reverberates through me when I, when I read about like God placed the parts where he wanted them to be, just where he wanted them to be. And when the, when the hand gets all big on itself because it wears a crown or it carries a crown and it's nothing like the foot. I mean, can you believe that guy, right? Park the crown in the garage. I think about how my family dynamics would totally be different if I came home from work and I parked the crown in the garage. Some of you are like, yeah, yeah, I know somebody definitely needs to park the crown in the garage. How, how different our work experiences would be if we parked the, the crown in the, in the parking lot before we went into the office or before we stepped on to the job site. How different our services Serving cultures, right, would be even at, even at a place like church if we park our crowns in the parking lot before we come in. 
I think of all this because it's not, ju- it's not just Indra, the president of Pepsi, now retired, who, who parks her crown in the garage. Not, not just because of like, this is what Paul is getting out of saying, like, listen, listen, we're not here to elevate one part over another part. I'm thinking about another letter that Paul wrote, not Corinthians. He wrote to a church to Corinth. He also wrote a church, a letter to this little church in Philippi, modern day Greece. And he's running this and he's going, this is, this is really the embodiment of the Jesus movement. Like this is what we're all about. Parking the crown in the, the, Jesus. Jesus took all of the relative glory and praise and comfort and security of heaven. And he decided to incarnate himself to become human beings, to become walking around like us with skin on in the flesh. God became man. But, however, he did not consider equality with God. He did not consider his divinity. He did not consider his very nature, being God, something that should be used to his own advantage. But instead, he became nothing. He parked his crown in the garage taking on the very form of a servant and becoming obedience to, obedient to death, even death on a cross. This is our Savior. This is our Lord. This is our Master. This is our God. Philippians chapter 2. Serving. It's the antidote to living. A self-absorbed life. Serving others. Serving is also a gift to the world. Listen to this line from verse 27. Paul continues in chapter 12. 1 Corinthians. Uh, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all other languages? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. And then he goes on in 1 Corinthians 13, coming to a wedding near you this summer. (laughs) It's the famous love passage. You know, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. I used to like just kind of bristle at this when couples would choose that as like their wedding text because I'm like, do you know what's going on in, in Corinth? Like this, let's do a little Bible study, right? Um, they're suing each other, you know, right now. There's like lawsuits, you know, legal issues going on. Um, the, the, like the favoritism is they, they have like um, they, some members of their, their body is like, you guys can't come into church, into the building. You got to like hang out on the lawn. Meanwhile, we're going to have this like feast in the back room in the nice area of the house. I'm like, this is, this is not like a great thing to emulate. But then I kind of started embracing it, right? Because I'm like, yeah, actually, like, as far as a marriage goes, I mean, this thing is like so dysfunctional and broken. It's like, listen, God is speaking. If God can do this with that kind of a church, I wonder what he could do with a couple of broken people in marriage if they hand over the pieces to him. But anyway, First uh, Corinthians 13. Love is the point on that one. He's talking about all these different gifts. He's talking about all these different parts of the body. And he's going on, on top of all of these, put on love. Love is the point. Love is over all of them. And that's a different Listen, that's a different message entirely. We'll get into 1 Corinthians 13 another time. But we're, we're hanging out in, in chapter 12 in this one. And he's going, listen, there's all of these different gifts. And they correspond to different parts or different members of the body. You ever think that it's, it, it's fun to like think about what part of the body that you would be? You know, depending on how God and his spirit has uniquely gifted you. Like what, your, what you would be in, in the body. Some of you are like, you know, I'm the person that uh, I'm the person that speaks hope. I'm the person that speaks encouragement in life. If we're parts of one body, 
You'd like to think I'm the mouth. I love that. It's kind of an action step. When you go home today, the people that you came here with, just talk about it. Like, we all, we all have the Spirit of God living inside of us if you believe in Jesus. That's the promise of the gospel. What part, you've been supernaturally gifted, what part of the body would you be? Maybe it's the mouth speaking a word of hope and encouragement. Maybe it's the ear providing a listening, uh, a listening presence. You know, maybe you have a spirit of courage. You're the spine of the body. You know, what is your part of the body? I love this. <laughs> I had a seminary professor one time, and uh, he, uh, he was talking about his days in, like, pastor ministry, you know, um, why, why he decided to leave that and, and teach at a seminary. <laughs> and, he goes, and he goes, yeah, yeah, just one congregant was just, Ugh. You know, we're all, we're all parts of, we're all, you know, different parts of the same body. And I just have to, I don't know what part they would be, but I just have to believe that they were somewhere in the bowels. <laughs> also a critical function. What part would you be? Members of one body. And it's worth asking because there's some parts of the body that God explicitly does not call us to. There is a part of the body that exists only to feed itself. Only to nourish itself. On some bodies, tragically, there is a part that exists only to grow itself. And from a medical perspective, when you've got a group of cells that exist for nothing more than to nourish and feed and grow itself, The medical term for that is cancer. I asked the question earlier. Are we guests? Showing up? And it is our honor to feed and nourish and to grow. But that's not where we're called to hang out long term. Because the joy of being a member of the body is so much greater to that. That when we get to serve, not ourselves, feed, nourish, grow, not just ourselves, but the whole rest of the body, it's so much more powerful. It's so much more life-giving. That it's the way in in which we actually get to bless the whole world. You see, I come back to that, like, you know, dinner guest or family member conversation. And I kind of have this realization along the way that, uh, that, that the flow of resources in my family tends to be a little bit more unidirectional, we'll say, than, than what I would prefer at times. I'm trying to nicely say, my kids don't help out nearly as much as I help them out, you know? In all these years, I have never once seen my third grader reach for the check, you know, at a restaurant, just doesn't. Can you believe this kid? <laughs> yeah, I'm just thinking about like every day after after school, like I ask my kids, what is like the one 60 second moment in your day that just beats every other moment? You know, was it when you got to school? Definitely not. Was it when like recess first started and you're running outside and the warm air in your face? You know, was it right when you walked home, like walked inside when you're done with school? Like what's the 60 second highlight of your day? And they're like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. You know, they've never once asked me what my 60 second highlight. I'm asking them, you know, like, what'd you learn in school today? No, more specific. What did you learn in math in school today? They've never once asked me what I learned at work today. (laughs) 
Maybe they figure they'll get it on the weekend. Like, I, I don't know. But they've never, it's this flow of resources is somewhat unidirectional, right? One-sided. And I recognize now that, you know, in my almost 38 years, I really haven't evened that score with my own parents. Like, I'm not sure when that investment is ever going to get paid off, but like, I don't think, I don't think that it will. And we have this realization, I mean, you get it, right? That, that it's never going to even out. That's just not the point for it ever to even out like it possibly could. Is that you recognize the truth behind the truth. You recognize that the, that the gift is in the giving, isn't it? That the gift, the joy of giving is in the act of giving itself. The gift is in the giving. You know that the gift is in the giving every time that... Every time that you have that experience where you show up and you serve in kids, every single weekend at the 915 experience at Kentwood, and you show up because, well, you're trying to build relationships, not just for the morning, but for the long term, because the Spirit of God tends to work powerfully through stronger relationships. And so every weekend you're there. And some weekends, man, kids meet Jesus, and lives are changed, and it's the most powerful thing in the world. And other weekends, it's like this, these kids are no closer to Jesus than when they came. They might be closer to an emergency room like after this, but they're definitely not closer to Jesus. And you're like, I have failed and wasted an hour and a half this morning. What a joke. And then on their way out of learning nothing that morning, they almost fall over. Because they forgot to run back and give you a hug before you leave. The gift is in the giving, isn't it? The gift is in the giving. When you give that perfect gift away to a loved one, to your wife, when you just like, you figured out like what that thing was that means so incredibly much and you, and, and you, you find it, you hand it over and she opens it and it's like literal tears, you know, rolling down her face. There's a, there's a drop coming down and you recognize the gift is in the giving. And when you know when that perfect gift is, you've got to send me a, an idea because Mother's Day is coming up and I definitely need some ideas for my wife. The gift is in the giving. I want to share this one with you. Uh, there's a, a gentleman around here that uh, I did not ask permission to share this story because some answers that you know what the questions that you know what the answers are, you don't need to ask, you know? And sometimes it's just easier to ask for forgiveness than permission. I don't do this a lot, but uh, a gentleman around here, he, he, managed, um, he managed a number of facilities, buildings for a long time, like 30, 35 years, a whole career of it. Just a huge expert. And then recently retired, and I thought, boy, we could use some help, you know? And I'm, I'm talking to the guy, and, you know, hey, do, would, would, you, would you mind helping out? You know, we've got some weird buildings. Uh, one of them has 16 showers and a racquetball court. Another one has this giant bell tower that's super fun to ring, but, like, I don't know if it's still good anymore. Like, what, what do we do? Would you, would you help, you know, get, getting our bearings? And he's like, oh, I'll sort of see what I can do. And this guy, dude, over the, over the last maybe three weeks, he's showing up three or four times a week. He's scheduling and meeting contractors. He's bidding out quotes for different jobs. He's documenting best practices. I mean, the dude is just here almost as much as I am, just working on stuff. He fixes the door in our lower lobby because, like, the lock thing wouldn't work, and it stayed locked. And he's like, well, we can't lock people out of the church. And so he goes, he fixes, tinkers around, fixes it just right. And he's like, now anybody and everybody can come through the doors of the church i'm like how are how do you exist like this is incredible the work and also the, the, the mission attitude of this whole thing and i'm just like man thank you thank you thank you thank you so much for everything that you've done over the last few weeks you're such such a badly needed gift in this in this season he looks at me 
He's going, okay, don't, don't share it too broadly. I kind of like it. After I retired, you know, I, I get this wealth of experience and knowledge, and I didn't know what to do with it all. So thank you. The gift is in the giving. Jesus gave you a gift. Maybe he gave you the gift of serving. Maybe he gave you the gift of prayer, the gift of help, the gift of leadership, the gift of discipleship. Don't waste the gift. At the very least, he gave you the gift of himself. Don't keep that to yourself. The gift is in the giving. John shared a true story of when his grandmother passed away and his grandfather was going through some of her old things in the attic and so much, but he opened up one particular box and he saw a set of dishes and he goes, uh, contacts his daughter and he's like, hey, you know, found these old dishes, you know, your mom's old dishes in the attic and I don't know what to do with these things. They've got blue on them. You like blue. Do you want the dishes before I throw them away? And she came over, she took a look at him. She opens the box to the most beautiful, the most exquisite and delicate set of fine china that she has ever seen. And she's like, not a fine china person, but like, holy cow, like where did this stuff come? I've never seen this before. So she digs through the family a little bit and tries to like figure out, you know, what the, what the back history is on this. And this stuff, like hand-painted, um, forget-me-not flower pattern on each, on each dish. 24-karat gold trim around it. It's got mother-of-pearl inlaying on each teacup, and it's an entire set. It finds out it, it came from a handcrafted factory in Bavaria that has since been destroyed in World War II. Literally irreplaceable. She finds the back history is that she grew up, mom grew up very, very poor, had nothing. She dreamed of just having something really over the top, really nice, something to have her own. So every birthday, every Christmas, to whatever extent her family was able to, they would get her one dish at a time. A cup, a teacup, a saucer. She didn't complete the set until she was 40 years old. And she just waited for an opportunity to share the gift with the world for an occasion special enough. But nothing ever came that seemed that special. So she just wrapped it all up and tucked it away in the attic. Can you imagine that? Like the greatest gift that she has ever received. And she never got to share it with the world. Don't be that church. Jesus is inside of you. He's gifted you with something to share with the world. Share the gift with the world. In these next few moments uh, ahead of us, I want to invite you to fill out that little card that you have available, little blue card when you came in. It just lists a few um, areas to serve on, whether it's the guest experience team, music and production in the kids or, or youth areas. I don't want you to I don't want you to experience life without the ability to share your gift. It's, it's cool being at a, a guest at somebody's house. And I don't want to take that away from you. But man, what it's like to be a member of the family. There's nothing like it. 
So you guys can have a seat. There's pens in the chair back in front of you. Take a moment before we end this uh, last song and, and fill out the card. We'll have some ushers to collect those in a little bit, in a moment. But let me, let me pray for you right now. Jesus, we thank you for who you are. We thank you, Lord, for porking your crown in the garage so many years ago, from leaving the security and glory of heaven to coming here into living with us and more importantly, showing us how to live. And most importantly, finding a way to bring us life and life everlasting. Jesus, you are such a treasure. You are a gift that we desire to share with the world. Help us to do that in a new way uh, this morning, in a new way this week with the people that we meet. Jesus, you're doing something new. You're doing something powerful in each and every single one of us. Help us to share it with the world. Jesus, in your resurrected name, we pray. Amen. Hey, church. It's our sincere prayer that this message was able to help you find new life in Christ. And if you did find it helpful, would you consider donating to help drive this ministry forward? And don't forget, there's no substitute for doing life together. So find a worship experience, join a small group or a serving team today. You can do all this at EncounterChurch.org.